0: Is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. This is another mini episode, and today we are going to be talking about the humor effect. Um, So, what is the humor effect? It is a cognitive bias that can be defined as basically finding that funny things or humorous things are more easily remembered um, than non- non-funny things. Um, and there are several theories around why this could be true. Um, one of them is that humor is very distinct. One could be that humor increases the amount of cognitive processing uh, or, and the amount of time we spend on cognitive processing of a, of a fact, um, or that emotional arousal associated with humor. Um, could help us remember things better. So overall, a lot of the literature I found was just more generally generally about humor and some of these other theories about it, but I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about um, how does humor work in the brain, and I think this is a kind of a good setup for any future episodes that I'm going to do about more like comedic pieces of media. Um, and we have addressed some pieces of comedy in the past, for example, my Bo Burnham episode, uh, which is episode number two, if you want to check that out. Um, was all about the comedy special by Bo Burnham, but as discussed in that episode, that we really focused more on the, like, mental health messaging, um, and the way that certain aspects of the special, um, communicate things about mental health and mental well-being. Um, so this is really my first look at humor how does humor work, why do we think find things funny, um, and how can that help us to remember things better? So, again, like I said, I'm going to go through some of this research to kind of really lay a great foundation um, so that in the future when I talk about more um, different types of media that, that use comedy, um, we kind of have this, this good foundation to go off of. Um, so, let's get started! Um, first things first I thought a fun little fact to share with you is that it only takes 500 milliseconds for us to recognize a humorous image um, as humor seems to be about noticing incongruences in an image um, so this actually comes from a 2014 study by Hildebrand and Smith where they used, um, they used a bunch of fancy machinery to measure the amount of response time that people had um, in distinguishing between a humorous item and a like non a, a photo and like a non non intentionally funny uh, photo, um, and in this study they found that um, when comparing two photos, it took 500 milliseconds for the participant to distinguish between the the, the photos. Um, now, in like cognitive science terms, 500 milliseconds is like kind of a lot, and that's what uh, I mentioned above, where the, it's, like, the increased cognitive processing time is, is why humor may help us to remem- more uh, easily remember things, but in, like, real people terms, 500 milliseconds is, like, nothing. It's, like, unmeasurable um, by, like, the human mind, you know what I mean? It's, like like, we... 500 milliseconds has already passed like oh billions of times uh, as the point we're into this episode, um, so we experience it as very quick. But within the brain, um, it does take take a little bit more time. Um, however, it may be uh, it may actually take us a, a less time to notice humor when humor the the photo or the image is um, about setting up things that are different from each other um, so other things that, that this study found is that the sort of ideal type of image to elicit a humor response um, and so w- when I say humor image think of things like memes online you know, like funny photos you would find online um, I mean really memes <laughs> is like the overall category um, but things that you see online and and laugh at or snort out through your nose as you scroll through your phone. Um, they they should have inconsistencies within the image, but the inconsistencies should be easily resolved, nor should they be too hard to resolve. So basically, you want to be right in that Goldilocks sweet spot of inconsistencies within an image um, so that they engage the brain, they engage the cognitive process, but they don't tire someone out. Um, and that often or what's actually happening is that as we resolve the inconsistency in the image is that is the point at which we find humor. So it's kind of like that feeling of like, Oh, I get it. Right. That's when it's funny when you've, you've put together the pieces um, and realize what the meme or the image is, is trying to say. Um, And that when we hit that Goldilocks, Sweet spot of difficult cognitive difficulty. Um, it kind of jumpstarts cognitive processes such as curiosity, um, and curiosity may actually be crucial for eliciting a humor response. So, when we uh, to kind of get us to keep going down the path of processing the image to get to the point of resolving the inconsistency and getting the humor getting humor out of it, um, we, we must be curious, right? We must be motivated to keep going down that path. So um, when you are looking at something online and it draws your attention long enough for you to focus on it to really begin to puzzle through what it's trying to say and why it might be funny, um, then the image is like successful in getting your your brain to kind of attend to it and to commit <laughs> to figuring out why it's funny. Um, and the research from uh, Hildebrand and Smith and, and other researchers who focus on this like inconsistency incongruity model um, helps t- to continue to support this idea that humor can actually direct cognitive and attentional resources, which may be one of the reasons why the humor effect happens, right? Is that you are going to remember uh, things, whether it's like facts, images, um, things you need to learn for school, you're going to remember those better if they made you laugh because you uh, redirected cognitive processes and attention to the humorous thing, right? And it inspired more complex processes like being curious about it um, because of kind of the mismatch. So all of that to say is that when you're studying, (laughs) or you need to remember something. If you make it funny, uh, you will probably remember it a little bit better because your brain has expended more resources on it uh, to really lock it into place. So any students out there, If you, you know, find yourself trying to make memes out of what you're studying, it may actually be a really good studying tool. Um, Or, you know, if you have trouble remembering like phone numbers or like important information, tie it to a joke and you may actually remember it better. So as I was looking into this research about the humor effect, What kept coming up was actually quite a bit of research on types of humor. Um, So I thought it would be really interesting to talk about um, these four types of humor I found in this article written in 2016 by Renick et al. Um, And they talked about these different types of humor and how it actually plays a role in depression um, and the way that we um, cognitively process things through a depressive mindset. So um, I don't know if I've mention this in any of my other episodes, maybe in the Bull Burnham episode, but um, people experiencing depression or depressive symptoms may be more likely to have a negative um, f- cognitive filter in which they filter through information, which results in more negative um, like emotions, more negative experiences, and uh, it's, it's almost like a a, pe- a, a type of pessimism. Um and so the the study that that I was reading that, where they'd outline these types of humor were talking about certain humor certain types of humor have more relationships to like a depressive outlook or certain types of psychopathology whereas other types of humor may actually be buffers against it. So not only can humor help you to remember things better, but humor may actually assist you in Reframing certain things if you're struggling with depression and if finding yourself kind of stuck in a negative mindset. So the first time, if the first type of humor is called affiliative humor, um, and this is used to facilitate relationships, entertain other people, and minimize social tension, and it can include things like spontaneous jokes, witty banter, and funny anecdotes. So. I mean, this is, I think, kind of what we think of, um, when we think of somebody in our life who is funny, right? It's somebody who, um, probably engages in this type of humor where, um, it really does help you to feel closer to the person, and and maybe relieve tension. If you've ever been in a meeting or in a situation where people are meeting for the first time, and somebody cracks a joke to kind of, you know, get the social ball rolling, that would be affiliative humor. Um, this type of humor is most closely related with relationship variables versus emotional well-being, so this may be a better predictor of things like um, level of intimacy in relationships, relationship satisfaction, feelings of social support, um, perceptions of interpersonal competence, so like how good do you think you are at relating to other people, Um, and it's also more likely to predict secure attachment and extroversion in people, Um, and it is negative negatively related to loneliness and social anxiety. So that means that the more affiliative humor that someone engages in, the less likely they are to feel lonely or socially anxious. So this is a very useful type of humor for, like I mentioned, relationships. So if you're feeling like you're having trouble relating to people or things aren't going well, engaging in these types of spontaneous uh Jokes or, or funny anecdotes can help to um, kind of like grease the wheels um, of a relationship. Um, or if you meet, if you know someone in your life who this is the way they relate um, to you, it, it is a positive for them, right? Like there's probably um, positives for your relationship and the way they relate to other people as well. Um, okay, so that's that's type number one. Type number two is called self-enhancing humor, um, and this inclu- includes like having a cheerful outlook on life and a tendency to be entertained or amused by incongruities that facilitate emotion regulation and coping with stress and adversity. Okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> um, basically, it means like this is a, t- a, a type of humor where you tend to view events that happen in life from... A more like optimistic outlook, Um, and people with this type of humor, or when you use this type of humor, you may be more likely to um, just kind of laugh at things that that don't match, right? Like like I mentioned in the first part, the first research, right? This incongruity hypothesis that it is when things don't match up that we find humor, Um, and this type of humor is where we're able to find those incongruities in like day to day life, Um, and. This type of humor um, may particularly be amused or pointed at incongruities that are related to like um, emotion regulation and coping with stress. So finding it funny that, you know, you're having a bad day and you find yourself starting to cry and you're able to kind of laugh it off, right? You're like, okay... Um, I want to cry, I'm feeling a little emotionally dysregulated, but I'm going to apply this type of humor um, and, you know, be able to cope with it better. And, you know, this isn't necessarily, like, a very, like, explicit thought pattern, right? It just may be that this is the type of humor that somebody leans toward um, without, like, kind of thinking through all those steps. Um, This type of humor is also basically, like, a style of thinking. So... The other one, right, affiliative humor is kind of like about a style of, of being in relationship, whereas self-enhancing humor is about it is very cognitive, right? It's like a, it's a way of thinking about the world. Um, self-enhancing humor is associated with emotional well-being, um, increased self-esteem, optimism, and positive emotions, and negatively associated with depression, anxiety, rumination, perceived stress, and neuroticism. So. Engaging in self-enhancing humor, which again is very cognitive, it's a, it's a way of thinking about the world that's different, um, can be really helpful in helping increase positive feelings and decrease some negative feelings. Okay, type number three is called aggressive humor. Um, this is another relational way of humor, which is used to posture in relationships and to demean or manipulate others, um, typically through sarcasm, teasing, derision, or ridicule. Um, it can also include making disparaging comments about other people to enhance one's self-image, but typically at the, response, the expense of relationship quality. Um, so. Aggressive humor is another type of relationship humor, just like affiliative, but instead of, like with affiliative humor, it's about increasing the relationship, increasing the interpersonal functioning. Aggressive humor is about decreasing relational functioning, right? It's about kind of tearing down the other person at the benefit of oneself, right? Maybe for one's one's ego um, or one's sense of well-being, but, or one's self-image, um, but decreasing the image of the other person and damaging the relationship. Aggressive humor is, again related mostly to relationship variables and is negatively related to relationship satisfaction, interpersonal competence, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. So that means that the more aggressive humor one uses, the less likely they are to be satisfied in relationships or to feel competent in their relationships. Um, And using aggressive humor is related to increases in hostility and neuroticism. So not a great Uh, Approach to humor (laughs) of of relational humor and you'll see how this is kind of the other side of affiliative, right? Affiliative would be like the positive relational humor aggressive is more like the negative Okay, and then the last kind, number four is self-defeating humor So this is self-disparagement about oneself in order to gain approval, amuse other people, or avoid dealing with a problem So aggressive humor is about disparaging others Self-defeating is about disparaging oneself. This is basically like a, when you always try to be the butt of other people's jokes. Um, it, it this one also interestingly enough is a it, it, it is like an, a relational because it, it kind of takes place with other people, right? You have to demean yourself in front of other people. Um, so it's not necessarily the flip side of um, self- enhancing, um, but you can see how, these types of humor all kind of relate to each other and, and are kind of on different ends of the spectrum. So this type of humor, self-defeating humor, is associated with lower levels of self-esteem, um, and it is related to higher levels of anxiety, depression, anxious attachment, and neuroticism. So again, the more self-defeating humor somebody engages in, the more likely they are to, be, to experience more anxiety or depression. Um, and like I was saying... You know this article was looking at like why are some of the reasons why um, that you know when you have depression you you may um, view the world in a different way and they were basically saying that well if you engage in affiliative or self enhancing humor you might be able to combat that negative outlook or that that negative filter and that could help alleviate uh, some symptoms of depression whereas aggressive or self-defeating humor Um, is is connected to higher levels of depression. But you can see how if you are... Let's use self-defeating as an example, right? If you have a self-defeating sense of humor, you constantly put yourself down to other people, Um, that kind of informs the way that you think about the world and you start to internalize, like, oh, maybe I'm not that great, maybe I am bad at my job, You know, maybe I am not a good friend or a good partner um, so you develop this, like, very negative outlook, and then that continues to influence the way that you, your sense of humor works, where you continue to make more and more negative jokes, so now you're kind of on this, like, downward spiral, whereas if you engage in self-enhancing humor, you might be able to develop, like they mentioned, it's a, it's a type of thinking about the world, so you, you may develop a more positive outlook on the world. Now, I'm not saying that that means if you tell jokes, your depression will go away. <laughs> that, that is not what this article is saying at all. That's not what the research is saying. Um, but it is interesting how our way that we think about the world influences our humor and our humor influences the way we think about the world. Um, so it's, it would be interesting to see if, if you could change the way that you use humor, particularly when it comes to how you relate to others. How might that um, maybe be another tool to help aid in re- um, relieving some of the the, t- the depression. Um, so those are the four kind of overarching categories of humor that have been identified um, in some of the literature. Um, so now that we know what type of humor there is, uh, what can we do with our senses of humor? Um, so... Coming from this article, this 2016 article, um, the authors said that both adaptive and maladaptive styles of humor represent coping strategies that may mediate the relationship between cognitive distortions and depressive symptoms. So, what this means for you and me, the average person, um, it means that our sense of humor influences our cognitive outlook, right? And, I, and I've, I've kind of broken this down already, but there's research behind this. Um, and so when we say mediate the relationship between, um, mediate is kind of like, what is another way through which cognitive distortions influence depressive symptoms? So one of the ways through which cognitive distortions has an impact on depressive symptoms is through the style of humor. So, for, you know, a little more research understanding, as we do on the pod, um, this does not mean that humor causes depressive symptoms, or that cognitive distortions cause humor. These are more like correlational relationships, but there is some, uh, some strength to the relationship between cognitive distortions, style of humor, and depressive symptoms, and there's enough of a relationship there that we can kind of extrapolate upon those results and say that you know, while this is not A causes B causes C this plays some sort of role in how we develop increased depressive symptoms and so being able to identify what type of style of humor that somebody engages in, we may be able to understand a little bit more about how their depressive symptoms manifest and maybe how their way of thinking is contributing to their depressive symptoms. So again, It's not a cure-all. I'm not saying, like, oh, if you just force yourself to smile and laugh more every day, your depression will go away, because I know there are people online that say things like that, and, you know, it's not true. They are kind of maybe misinterpreting (laughs) research or or things that they've observed in their life. but this could be a useful tool for you if you are somebody who experiences depression um, and understanding that maybe shifting your style of humor to be more adaptive, right? St- uh, shifting to the affiliative or self enhancing humor, um, you know, it could work for you. It could work to um, maybe help untangle some of that relationship between cognitive distortions um, and depressive symptoms. Um, so, again, like, like I was saying at the beginning, um, humor involves this like, incongruity and can also be interpreted multiple ways, right? We could all look at the same meme and each one of us could maybe take away a different perspective on it or find it funny for different reasons. Um, And because of that, because humor um, or humorous items and uh, incongruous items can be interpreted so many different ways, um, it can be used to shift perspectives about stressful situations and a way to help people gain a sense of mastery. So this is where the humor effect really comes in, right? That you really are remembering things better. Um, And one of those ways may be that humor allows you to kind of shift your perspective, Um, right? So like, let's say you and I are looking at the same meme and I say, oh, it's funny because of X and you say, oh, it's funny because of Y for me to understand why you think it's funny, for a reason why, I have to shift my perspective and see it from a different way, right? It's kind of like those uh, images where it's like, is it a vase or is it two faces? <laughs> Which I know is not an inherently funny image, but it is about when I shift my perspective, I see something different. And maybe it is funny that it's two faces, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it wasn't funny that it was just a vase. Um, so again, being able to shift perspectives, and I think also uh, with this here where we talk about you know, shifting to uh, help with stressful situations and gaining mastery, um, this could probably most likely include the more positive forms of humor, right? Like affiliative and self-enhancing. Because you can imagine someone with a self-defeating style of humor um, not being as flexible in their way of thinking, and so therefore not being able to shift perspectives as easily to find creative solutions to a stressful situation. So... Again, it's going to depend on um, the style of humor, or like the way that the person is kind of using the humor. Um, Self-reported depressive symptoms were negatively related to use of self-enhancing humor and positively associated with self-defeating. So like I was saying before, self-enhancing humor may relieve some depression. Um, Or people who are less depressed are more likely to be self-enhancing in their humor, whereas people who are more depressed are more likely to be self-defeating in their humor. So you can see how it goes both ways, right? Like maybe because it is a cycle, if you start off more self-enhancing, then you may not be as depressed, Um, but that may also mean in the future you're less likely to be depressed if you continue to use self-enhancing humor. Um, And then cognitive distortions were um, lower when the positive Uh, They're the beneficial styles of humor were used and were higher with the detrimental. So again, self-enhancing and affiliative humor kind of lowered cognitive distortions. And in general, cognitive distortions are just ways of thinking about the world that get in the way between you and what the reality of the world is, right? So cognitive distortions can include things like uh, black and white thinking, which is like Something is going to be all good or all bad. Not able to sit in the in, in the in between. Um, catastrophizing, thinking that because one thing's go, one thing goes wrong, the whole world is going to fall apart. Right. This happens a lot. Um, just kind of off topic. This happens a lot when when we're dealing with like um, dieting and and eating, is that people will say like, "Oh, I broke my diet once today. I might as well go all out. Right. I might as well." you know, eat whatever I want because I already ruined my diet for today and I'll just restart tomorrow. Well, then what happens tomorrow when you mess up, right? (laughs) Well, I already messed up my diet, so I might as well try it again, right? Cognitive distortions really can get in the way of you kind of accomplishing goals um, and staying on track with plans that you have for yourself. So, interestingly enough, if you're more likely to use self-enhancing or affiliative humor, then you may be able to kind of disrupt the cognitive distortions, um, which then in turn may lower your depressive symptoms. So, you know, again, like I said, it's not a causal thing. It's not A to B to C necessarily, but these things are related enough that it is interesting to hear about and to think about how you might in, you know, implement this in your own life. So to sum everything up, humor. There's multiple styles of it. Some styles are more beneficial and more positive, like affiliative and self-enhancing. Some are more negative or um, detrimental, like aggressive or self-defeating. Humor can help us to remember things because it activates more cognitive processes. It means we spend more time attending to something, so we're more likely to remember it in the future. And also encourages us to be more curious about things so that we spend more cognitive resources on it. Um, And cognitive uh, distortions may be impacted by style of humor which could eventually lead to a change in depressive symptoms. So engaging in the beneficial or positive could be something in your toolbox when you are struggling with depressive symptoms. Um, But again, laughter is not a prescribed medication, (laughs) and this may not necessarily be, you know, like a a black and white (laughs) cognitive distortion, uh, a black and white cure, right? I'm not saying it's a cure for depression at all, um, but it is Possibly a component of reducing depression or changing the way that depressive symptoms implement, or impact you particularly when it comes to the way that you think about the world or perceive the world. Um, so that has been my mini-sode on the humor effect. I hope to hear from you if you implement this as a way to maybe study or remember things. I'd lo- I love to hear about, you know, like funny mnemonic devices to memorize things, because um, maybe I can use that <laughs> myself <laughs> to remember things. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, and next time I'm back should be another full-length episode. Back to our usual pop culture analysis. So see you in the next episode. see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode.